You're listening to The Healthy Sensitive. Welcome to The Healthy Sensitive, a podcast for highly sensitive beatniks and creative renegades and introverts who are trying to live their best lives and stay, you know, physically capable and mentally sane in the process of that. I'm Leah Burkhart, and today what I want to talk about is, well, naturally because I'm an introvert, <laughs> as most introverts are want to do, uh, I'm going to start this off by saying, so I've been reading this book. <laughs> Actually, technically, I've been chastised for saying that I read books because I don't. I listen to them because I am supremely lazy, or at least my eyeballs are. I don't know. I spend so much time in front of a screen these days that by the time it gets time to just look at any words, I'm thinking, no, so I listen to books. I digress. The book I'm reading is called Living Danishly. And I was, I've always, I mean, you can imagine I'm a health and wellness coach. Naturally, I'd be drawn to and curious about happiness and, you know, feelings of well-being and all of that lovely, fluffy stuff. Um, and you may know this already, but Denmark has is frequently put on the list for the happiest country in the world. I actually don't know if they're still number one or if they've been bumped to number two. I think Finland at some point was competing. But at any rate, they're a happy bunch. And there is a writer whose name, of course, now escapes me. Give me just just a moment. Just a moment. Uh, The Year of Living Danishly by Helen. Of course, it would be blocked out. Let's see here. Helen Rush? Helen Russ? Well, if you were to Google it, it would be The Year of Living Danishly, Uncovering the Secrets of the World's Happiest Country. Highly recommend it. I'm loving it so far. As I said, I I digress. Anyway, as I'm listening to the book, uh, it's fascinating for me because the author originally came from England. In fact, she was living in London. She and her husband moved to Denmark uh, as a result of her husband getting a job there. And she sort of in the midst of it. She's in the throng. She's, She's on the ground looking around from an outsider's perspective of, what is this whole Denmark business and what do they have to offer the rest of us? And in her exploration, if you will, she, you know, bumbles around and finds a number of interesting factoids about Denmark. So first of all, this shouldn't be a surprise. If you live in Denmark, you're paying pretty high tax rates. I think it's something like 50% and it might go up from there depending on how much money you make. So they pay a lot in their tax rate, but they do get quite a bit for their money. So those taxes pay for things like free education. Um, I'm going to say that again. Free education. Now, when I say free, obviously it's not free. The taxes are paying for it. But you, the citizen, don't have to pay privately for all of that education. Uh, guaranteed 80 to 90% of, your, uh, of your, what was your income should you lose your job or, get this, leave your job. That's right. So you can leave your job because you're unhappy and you will be guaranteed 80 to 90% of your income for up to two years. 
And you'd think that that would make for a really lazy bunch, but as it turns out, on average, the longest that people, you know, on average, they find a new job in three months. So they're not a lazy bunch, mind you. Uh, Also, in terms of parental leave, in total, parents in Denmark get 52 weeks of paid parental leave. The general rule is that the mother has the right to four weeks of leave directly before the planned birth, and then to a further 14 weeks of leave after birth. And then there's 32 weeks that follow where the mother and father can freely share between them. So maybe the dad takes off the next 32 weeks because mama wants to go to work or I don't know, but they can figure that out for themselves. And then when they do go back to work or for those who don't have children and are just, you know, busy bees working busy lives, they work an average of 34 hours a week. Now, I do find this interesting. The author is, you know, when she describes the experience of being there, does not suggest that people are just lazily humdrumming along at if here's an example, let's say that you, an employee, were working and burning the midnight oil. Uh, it's not like anyone would give you kudos for that. If anything, they might leave a, a form on your desk that talks about better time management. So it's not as though they don't care about your productivity. It's more like, why are you here for 50 hours a week? What are you doing while you're here picking your nose? Are you constipated and spending too much time in the bathroom? What's wrong with you? Get your work done. Get out. Jeez. (laughs) So it's not like they're lazy. They just want you to get more work done in less time. And they kind of figure, why wouldn't you want to do that? Like, Why are you spending your time here at the office when you could be home with your family taking advantage of the, you know, 14 to 32 (laughs) weeks of paid leave? Again, some people choose not to have children. I'm anyway. These tax dollars, I'm still going on about this, by the way, also pay for things like clubs and community circles. I shouldn't say circles. That makes it sound too kumbaya-like. But there's a number of different groups you can attend, running groups, or uh, you can learn a new trick or trade, or you can learn a new language. And all of those, just kind of imagine meetup, except without having to ever pay. And most people don't have to pay for meetup, so there is that. But if you're the facilitator, you do have to pay. I know, because I'm a meetup facilitator. So there you have it. And if you're interested in joining, there's a whole plethora of opportunities available to you. Um, there's, you would think too, so my brain, being the economist that, it, you know, being as into ec- economics as I am, you, my brain went to, yeah, 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 sure, but what about their, their unemployment rate? It's got to be high, right? No. Not annoyingly, no. Um, their unemployment rate is less than 5% right now. Right now, in a time of COVID. That's right. Ew. Why are you like, you need to suck at life a little bit more. Jeez, Denmark. Uh, they also have a concept that I'm rather in love with, and I've even written a blog post about it, and I might have even done a podcast episode about it, but my memory escapes me. But it's the concept that I mistakenly thought was pronounced huja, but it's actually pronounced huge. And it's hard to explain in English. It's more, you have to almost conjure up a number of visuals to properly I explain it. So it's like you turn off all the lights and you have nothing but candles lit and you're in a fuzzy warm blanket and it's raining outside. That's hygge. Um When you've got your house situated just so and the feng shui is just so, it's hygge. 
Um, you could practice huge by sitting in a cafe with a good friend or sharing a meal with your family. All of that is huge. So in essence, it's not just that the economics and the sort of political stratosphere is supportive. It's also a culture that honors and appreciates time, time to oneself, time with loved ones. So why might I, a highly sensitive person who lives in the United States of America, be drawn to this as a topic of conversation? Well, primarily because I, I mean, I just picked up a second job. You're going to hear all about this for a while because I'm me and I overshare. So deal with it. Uh, Free country. You can turn off my podcast. So Um, anyway, I, I am a community health educator. I love the work. It pay, it's 30 hours a week, so I am by no means complaining about what it is I do. I love it. It's fabulous. But just as my Denmark counterparts, or I guess my Danes, fellow Danes, or, you know, they work an average of 34 hours a week, not 30. I need those extra four hours. Quite literally, those four hours would be the difference between I'm not making enough money and I'm good now. So... It's obnoxious. I think when I did the math, I needed to make $600 more a month, which breaks down to 150 or so a week, which is not that much, but it's enough that it's hard to scrimp and save and just cut like a few places here and there to make it work. It's not like I'm spending money on lattes or fancy gadgets or, you know, I'm, this is just my life that I'm trying to afford, you know, rent, bills, food, uh, the occasional, I don't know, pair of socks when my socks have holes in them, you know, that sort of thing. And I've worked really hard to get rid of debt. I have no student loan debt. The only debt I have is a mortgage and the mortgage is less than I was paying in rent beforehand. So it's like, I'm good. I'm so close to being very good. I just need a little more money. So my first go-to was to try and do like the side hustle. So Instacart and uh, what's the other one? Grubhub. All of that's great. Here's the challenge there. In a time of COVID, I'm exposing myself to more risk. And more importantly, I'm exposing others to more risk. So yes, that's my phone dinging around apparently because I've got all my notes on my cell phone scrolling down. (laughs) Sigh. Um, In a time of COVID, I'm concerned that there's a very real possibility that I might get COVID, which would be unfortunate. I think I've got pretty good odds in terms of, you know, making it across the threshold of of recovery. And I'm sure it would be awful. And I'm certainly not hoping that I get COVID. But if anyone's going to make it through, it would be someone like me. I'm more concerned that I might have it. And for that apparently 48 to 72 hours beforehand that we are the most contagious, I could be out and about grocery shopping and giving it to someone else and then get sick and realize, oh, crap, how many people did I potentially, you know, put at risk just because I needed to make $150 more a week. So I thought, well, I mean, if I have to, I'll do it. But mm, do I have to? And so then I found this virtual coaching job. It's full-time though. So now it's a total of 70 hours a week that I'll be working. And the finances will be great, but it's going to be a little challenging to, you know, swing it. Uh, Not impossible because there's a number of, you know, like if I I can do the virtual coaching job from anywhere, I can kind of blend together. There's lots of options and opportunities here. So it's like, it's doable, just very challenging. 
Um, and there's an excitement around that. This idea that I, this independent person, I live alone. I don't need no mans. Um, there's some pride that comes with that. But I thought about it. And I thought, my God, what would I be doing with my time with myself if I wasn't... Because maybe I should back up a little. Another reason why I'm getting this second job is also hedging my bets. There's no guarantee that community health education is still going to be a thing. It's kind of hard to be a community health educator when you're not allowed to educate the community because they're supposed to be (laughs) self-isolating. You know, there's virtual classes we can offer, but most people are exhausted and they don't want to go on yet another Zoom call to get onto a class. And with that in mind, uh, we're still doing as many things as we can. We're doing a, a podcast at the hospital. We are offering classes for the employees. And we've got nothing but really great feedback from the organization. They are loving the work we're putting out. All of it's great. But there could come a moment when the facility's got to make some really tough choices. And maybe they don't want to let us go, but it might get to a place where they just have to because, well, I just don't know. And then, well, and then what? what can I do with my time? So I'm in the place where I want to foster some transferable skills. That's the other reason for wanting to diversify my income. And so again, on the one hand, there's pride. It's like, look at me go. I'm figuring this out. But on the other hand, imagine if I just didn't have to worry. If I knew that if I lost my job tomorrow, I had two years at least that the state was willing to pay while I figured myself out. How much education would I be getting if I didn't have to worry about student loans? Like I would easily, I've talked about this with friends of mine, I would probably be on my second or even potentially third PhD right now. I love to learn. I love being in the classroom. I love everything about that, the academia. I'm a nerd. Obviously, I would love that. The only thing that keeps me from going and furthering my education beyond a master's degree is how hard I had to work to pay off the first master's degree. Thank you very much. I was exhausting working two or three jobs just to pay off my student loan debt. That was insane. Ugh, I cringe just thinking about it. So what would that be like if I could just relax for a minute and remember, hey, it's okay. If I lose my job, I'll be okay. What an incredible concept. Now, I'm not saying that America doesn't have a lot to offer, and I'm also not saying that Denmark is perfect. Could you, though, like, do you even need to, like, leave the U.S. and go to a place like Denmark to even create a life like that? I mean, couldn't you create it in America if you were so obsessed with it? I mean, so sort of. I made something kind of like it, uh, working 30 hours a week and loving my job, and, you know, I live simply, And I love my life. Um, I just need a little more money. But it wouldn't take much for me to be from, ooh, deficit to, oh, fine. So you just have to be very intentional about it, I think is the thing. And the challenge, too, is that you'd be going against the grain of the culture rather than with it. So here in the U.S., if I stay late at work, I'm commended. In Denmark, I would be chastised or at least poked at. Another thing to consider is that in Denmark, they aren't very diverse. I think it was something close to 80% of people who live there were born there or come from parents who were born there. So that's a pretty high degree of homogeneity. 
Maybe it's easy psychologically to be willing to pay up 50% taxes when on some level you really feel like you know your neighbor, even if you don't technically know your neighbor. Just to give you some perspective, in the United States, I think it's something like 20% of Americans are of Mexican descent. Just That's just Mexican and Hispanics. And then I think it's like 13 to 15% that are African-American. That's just two... I, I'm only listing those two because they're relatively high, I think, in the quote-unquote minority group. So that's what, 20, 30, 30%, and that's just two groups. We have extraordinary diversity in the United States. And now take away race or, you know, even just where you come from. There's also a sense of cultural diversity. I mean, go into San Francisco, California, then go to, I don't know, rural Alabama, the speech will be different. The um, the value systems will likely be different in the two respective communities. It'll feel like you're in two different countries, which kind of makes sense because we have hundreds of millions of people in this country. Denmark has less than six million. We have cities that are markedly bigger than their entire country. It would be easier to... like. It would be more challenging, maybe is a better way of saying it, to get San Francisco City to all agree on a set of policies and tax codes than it would be to get all of Denmark to agree on a set, a, you know, a slew of policies and tax codes. Six million people is not that many people. I think, if I remember correctly, there's 10 million people in the Bay Area of California alone. Just the Bay Area. Just the Bay Area. So almost twice as many people in the Bay Area of California than there are in the entire country. Yes, my brain is still grappling with that. So I think it's a bit easier to build a community in a smaller country. And I, oh no, I'm not gonna remember his name. Oh, I was so good for a while and I was remembering it. Somebody's number, what is it called? Oh, well, I'll have to look it up later. But basically it's the number of social connections that a human being on average is capable of maintaining in one's brain. And as I'm talking to you, of course, I'm going to look it up. Um, Dunbar, Dunbar. Yes, I didn't even, I just clicked on the Google button and didn't even really get to search it. So Dunbar's number was this idea. It's, um, you can only stay connected with so many humans. And as soon as you get past that number, people become statistics to you. They become concepts as opposed to actual human beings. And that's just a limitation of the human mind. So if you imagine that that's true, and then consider the challenge that you, the United States of America faces, or, I mean, other countries, I'm sure I just know about the U.S. more because well, I live here. But if you compare, you know, a place like the United States to a place like Denmark, it's really not a fair comparison and it's also very hard to build a sense of camaraderie and community and a sense of social cohesion, if I shall I say, in a country like this when there just is so much diversity and there's just so many humans. It's a big place, the United States. There is also another kind of criticism, and this is a little on the darker side. And I think it's still, as much as I don't like entertaining these thoughts, it is worth looking into. Uh, an article at, from the Cato Institute, which is a think tank, I believe a fairly conservative think tank, uh, Marion Tuppy and Ted Carpenter wrote this article. And the article focuses on how the United States 
basically subsidizes European, what they call free-riding welfare states. I think they're being a little harsh, but there is a point to be made here. You know, we spend an extraordinary amount on our military spending. And the amount of money we spend makes it possible for a country like Denmark to not have to worry about military spending. They, I don't even know if they have much of a military budget. Because who's trying to take over Denmark? I mean, let's be real. I mean, why would you want to take over and conquer a nation of people who are that happy with themselves? Oh, wait, I guess I get it. If you're jealous, maybe that's a thing. Anyway, like, but really, they just, they're not people that inspire wrath from their neighbors as a rule. And they're, so there's, I don't think it's just that they don't have to spend on the military because the U.S. subsidizes it. There's probably a degree of, well, who's going to want to take over us? I mean, what do they have to gain exactly? Better pastries? But maybe there is something to be said for the fact that because we spend so much on the military, many other countries in Europe have the the sense of security that if something bad happens to them, they could probably call on their United States brethren and um, ask for assistance and likely get it. I don't know if they get it from President Trump, because I'm pretty sure he's isolationist. I mean, I know he is, but based on what he has said in the past, he's not wildly enthusiastic about the fact that we spend a lot on the military, which makes it possible for other countries to worry less about theirs. I honestly have, I mean, again, I'm just reading a few articles on this, and I just need more information to know if this is really true. But it is a fair critique, a fair criticism of like, yeah, easy for you to do that. You know, sort of like when mommy and daddy are paying for all of the the son's needs and then that son therefore takes all of these risks and then makes it big in his own company it's like well yeah easy for you to do that when daddy was paying your rent bill during that time like good for you question mark um anyway another criticism uh even Denmark citizens do get stressed and become unhappy so they they apparently have pretty high expectations in life um and there are a number of people who who say, well, um, but they aren't, their lives aren't perfect. So maybe we should stop trying to emulate them. This criticism or critique rather would be something that folks like the minimalist might wage. And they wouldn't wage it against those in Denmark. But what they would say is, you know, it's great that they're happy, but I don't necessarily think that's the thing to strive for. The thing to strive for might be developing a meaningful life. And maybe people in Denmark aren't happy because they're focusing on happiness. Maybe they're happy because they're focusing on cultivating meaning in their lives and having healthy relationships. And so that's what leads to their joy. And in the same way, you you could cultivate a sense of meaning no matter where you live. So just as some people love working 60 to 70 hours a week, others might not, but that's not really the point. The point becomes, what is it that brings you a sense of joy and ease and happiness? Anyway, all of that in a podcast for, you know, supposedly for highly sensitive people and creative types and introverts. Why would I bring all of this up? Well, I think some of it's just selfish and autobiographical. I... I'm really proud of the fact that I've been able to do a number of things on my own. And also, there is a sense of overwhelm sometimes. 
there is a sense of, gee, it would be nice if I didn't think it was all falling on my shoulders. It would be nice if I thought there was a safety net and not just not a safety net that brought shame to me. And that's not to say that I don't have family who don't love me and wouldn't try and find a way to help, but it would be very difficult for them to do that. And so these thoughts are percolating in my own mind as we're going through all of these really challenging times as a nation and as a world. I mean, a pandemic, economic uncertainty, elections, and all of it, just it's it's a lot. And so it's hard for anyone not to start asking tough questions. I find this topic of conversation particularly valuable for HSP because in my experience, as well as in my research, I find that highly sensitive people seem to chafe all the more against having a job that doesn't um, add value to their own lives and and feel meaningful and purposeful. Uh, They tend to suffer more when their stress is too high and or when they're when they feel like there's no purpose at least based on the data and in my experience highly sensitive people tend to do well when they get an opportunity to live just a little slower not wildly slower we're not talking like oh they want to be fun employed for their lives but just taking the edge off a little. So say from 40 hours to 34 as an example. And so I find, and often when people, hmm, maybe a way to put this is that highly sensitive people are the canaries. I think it was Glennon Doyle who said that most effectively. There are canaries in our culture and I think HSPs qualify. They have a tendency to, like when we start buckling from the strain of something, it's true that others probably won't be buckling yet. We buckle sooner, but we are your warning call. We are the first siren, the first alarm bell that goes off to alert others around us. Hey, we're buckling, but this gas is going to hurt you too. Just not as fast and maybe not quite as acutely, but you might want to change direction as well. And so... Given that I know for myself the lengths I had to go through to reclaim my health and my sanity and my sleep, I'm having to ask myself some questions like, you know, is it worth it to take on the second job just to have that income? Is there another, is there another way? And I would say, regardless of where you live, Regardless of whether you're an HSP or an introvert or an extrovert or a sensation seeker or however you identify, you don't have to identify as a specific kind of thing or a specific kind of person. Maybe you don't like boxes. It's worth asking the question or questions like, I mean, I guess as an example, what if you knew that no matter what job you took on, you would make the same amount of money? So this is a thing in Denmark. Somebody in the book that I was reading said, hey, in Denmark, you know, if you know, it's not like there's any real big incentive to make more money because you're just going to pay more in taxes anyway. So most people respond by asking, well, given that it doesn't really matter, what do I want to do with my time then? So you would think it would be like it would crush people because it's like, oh, that burnt takes off all the incentive for ingenuity. But in fact, it, it surprisingly does the opposite. It sort of puts people in a position where it's like, well... 
it doesn't really matter what I do, so I may as well do something I like. So what if, no matter what your job you chose, you would make the same amount? Doctor, lawyer, janitor, teacher, artist, singer. Like, I don't want to ask the question, what if you had a million dollars and you didn't have to worry about money? Okay, that's bullcock up, but... Rather, what if it really didn't matter what it was that you chose, you would make a comparable amount of money to your neighbor? What would you choose to do? Would you choose to become a doctor because it's exciting and and you want to save lives? Would you choose to become a writer or uh, an artist? Or are you someone who likes to work with your hands? Would you become a mechanic, a carpenter? Like, what would you do? If it didn't really matter, like you would probably, your needs would be met. You probably wouldn't be homeless. You're just not going to make a crap load of money either way. What would you choose to do? And then the next question I have is, what does a meaningful life look like? Like when you think about living a meaningful life, forget about happiness for a minute. Not that happiness isn't lovely, but it's, you know, cookies make me happy. (laughs) Like I... Going on a run makes me happy, but what brings you a sense of meaning? For me, it's when I'm being held by someone I care about or when I'm spending time with my pup or when I'm creating something for the healthy sensitive or when I'm writing in the privacy of my own space. That brings me a sense of meaning and purpose. What brings you a sense of meaning and purpose? And if you could just drop all of your previous preconceptions about the woulds and shoulds and coulds of life and you could you know create a world that looks like you what would your world look like if you had all the resources that you needed not that you would become fabulously wealthy I just mean you'll be able to to have a good life what would you do with it what kind of what what does a good life look like for you so these are just some thoughts that I'm going to leave you with for this week. And uh, yeah, any thoughts, questions, concerns, you are more than welcome to send them my way. Leah at thehealthysensitive.com. Also, uh, if you find this podcast valuable and or you want more content and you're hungry for more, uh, please come to my website, www.thehealthysensitive.com. You can go to the community page and become a member of the Healthy Sensitive group. Uh, There are two options. There's the samplers, which you get kind of a a teaser. You get some of the content. uh, But if you're willing to pay $5 a month, you get access to all of my courses, all of the content. Uh, Please know that all of these courses and all of the content I'm building is mostly under construction. There's a few courses that are done and they're tagged as such. But I've gone ahead and made all of my classes open to those in the community and you get to see it as it's built. And for now, the community is $5 a month. And once it's gotten more robust and there's more offerings available, that amount, like the cost, will likely go up. Um, so, ho- however, having said that, if you get in now, you'll be grandfathered in forever at that $5 a month amount. And also, it's just a very nice way to say, hey, appreciate you and your content. Like to support you in any way I can. Um, so, Again, www.thehealthysensitive.com. And if you just want to send me an email because you've got questions or you want to comment about the podcast or just want to 
chat with someone who knows what it's like to be a weirdo, uh, Leah at thehealthysensitive.com. Uh, that's all I've got for you. So yeah, um, have a good week. Breathe deep. Vote. Just going to say it again. Vote. <laughs> Don't care who you vote for. Just vote. <laughs> all right, that's it. Bye.